expecting an encounter with our Heavenly Father this morning. We're going to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And with that, I want to hear you singing out, okay? Here we go. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. Come on. 
Make your cry show this morning. Show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us. Show us, show us your glory. God, show us your power. Show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, The 
seated. Man, I just want to just rest on that for a second. You are forever mine. It's been a, a great week here at ALBC. I mean, it hasn't been a normal week, right? We've had some folks out. We've had our students at camp with Pastor Andrew, and I heard they had an awesome time. I think he's going to share a little about that next week. But then I had the opportunity. I mean, you know, guys, it's my favorite time of year, football camp. We partner with FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, as a church. We sponsor and work very closely with FCA and and each year I get to go to football camp. And man, what a time we had. We had over, I can just, just testify, and this is really because of, uh, of our church, churches like us who stepped up and have supported the mission of FCA. We had 100 students, 100 football players go from death to life who now say, Jesus, you are forever mine. Over 100 students, if that is so awesome. And then we had three coaches. I think that number is even cooler. Coaches, grown men, football coaches say, I'm missing something in my life. I need Jesus. In fact, one of them, one of them, it's such an awesome story. It just, it just speaks so much about how great our God is. One coach, new to the area, said he, he, he told one of our counselors after we talked to him, he said, I had no clue where Johnson High School was. I, I was in Florida. I Googled coaching jobs, and it was the first thing that popped up, and I thought, I need to go there. No clue. Coach goes to Johnson High School. Four weeks later, he goes to FCA football camp, and he's saved. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? But listen, I know I'm fired up. That's why I'm glad to be here. That's why I'm glad to be here, and we are so excited that you're here worshiping with us, too. And we're going to keep worshiping. We're going to keep worshiping that God that breaks chains. That God who is forever ours. And I'm here to tell you today, if you don't know anything about that, we're inviting you today to learn a little bit about that. We've already praised God and asked Him to open up the heavens this morning because we want to see Him. And we're to continue worshiping in song. And then with the bring of our messages, we continue talking about growth and growing through giving. Man, we are excited that you're here. So let's pray, and I'm ready to keep on worshiping. Dear God, we come to you today, Father, just in awe. God, in all of your power, in all of your glory, God, you are a God who saves, a God who seeks to have an encounter with us, God, who pursues us. God, when we were a long way off, when we were in a foreign land, God, laying with pigs, wallowing in our sin, you pursued us. God, you left the 99 to seek out the one. God, and we were that one. So, Father, today, we owe you 
all praise. Today, God, we turn our lives back over to you, God, at this worship service today. God, and tell you, praise you to show us your glory. God, your spirit's already moving in this place. God, your spirit moves all around us. God, so we are asking you, continue to move. Dwell in this place today. God, and we will be sure to turn back all the praise, honor, and power to you because you are the only one worthy of our praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up and keep worshiping. Sweet. 
surrender I surrender I want to know you more I want to know you more I surrender I surrender I flag father God we surrender to you and your will father not ours not our will father but your will be done God we pray God as we've already felt your presence this morning God that you will continue moving in a mighty mighty way father God I pray that as each of us hear the word God that we will all Heed the call to surrender fully to you this morning, God. God, have your way in Pastor Mike as he speaks through us, Father. God, I pray we leave here changed forever. God, we give you all the honor and glory and praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Jesus Christ modeled generosity and he modeled giving. So is there anything he can ask of us that we should not quickly respond, Lord, I surrender. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Whatever you ask me to do, that's what I will do. Thank you so much, Pastor Matt and worship team, for a sweet, sweet time of worship this morning. Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, and turn to Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter number 3. We said Jesus modeled generosity. Jesus modeled giving. He gave bread to the hungry. He gave sight to to the blind. He gave love and affection to little children who wanted to come to him. He gave truth to those who were seeking him. And to a sinner like me, he exchanged his life for mine. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a Savior. John chapter 3 and verse number 16, probably to me no greater statement about giving and all the Word of God than this verse right here. Why don't you just read this with me? This is from the New King James translation of Scripture. If you can see that on the screen, read it with me. For God so loved the world that He what? Gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Not only everlasting life in heaven, but according to John 10.10, I can have abundant life right here on this earth. What a Savior. If Jesus was the ultimate example of giving— And if Romans chapter 8 says that as believers we are predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son, Jesus, should we not model exuberant giving in our own lives? In life group this morning, and I hope you were there, if you were not yet in life group, I'm going to say it again, I say it all the time, if you can only give me an hour a week, I want you to go to life group. That's where life on life happens, that's where we study the Word of God together. Now, I'm glad you're here, I want you to be in both of them, but if you can only give us one of them, go to life group. If you say, I don't know where to go, you show up and there'll be people around to greet you and help point you to a life group. But if you were there this morning, we started studying this concept of biblical generosity. We're on a journey together as a church family, a 40-day journey together, 40 days of growth. We want to grow together in our walk with the Lord. (coughs) Excuse me. We say at Airline Baptist Church, if you want to be a disciple, this is what it looks like. A disciple is somebody 
who connects people with God, that's evangelism. We connect with one another, that's fellowship. And then we grow. We're talking about grow for these 40 days. We grow together in our walk with the Lord. We serve God by serving others. We'll talk about that in two weeks. And ultimately, we honor God with our lives by living a life of worship. So this is the year of grow, 2021. We designated the year of grow at Airline. So I hope you've been a part of those 40 days devotions that different members of our church family have written. Pop quiz, how many of you have been following along in the 40 day devotion books right there? All right, if you haven't, you're missing a blessing. They're on the Facebook page, a little bit misnumbered, but you can figure that out and just add one day to each day. What a blessing. Pastor Andrew last week challenged us on the biblical discipline of fasting, and then a devotion each day of the week to go along with that. It's part of our growth. So I trust you've been seeing personal growth in your own life. And let's just be honest, last week was a little bit uncomfortable, right? We're Baptist. We don't smoke and cuss and drink and chew and date girls who do. But Baptists are known for our eating and our potluck dinners and our casseroles and all those things. When you start talking about fasting and abstaining from food or abstaining from other things, fasting can take different forms. It gets a little bit uncomfortable. Can I just go ahead and tell you today's topic is a little bit uncomfortable as well. For many of you, it's not uncomfortable. It's a joy. The Bible says God loves a hilarious giver. A better translation of that is a hilarious giver. We're exuberant in our giving. But we live in a nation that is plagued with debt. Not only personal debt, the average American has about $8,000 in credit card debt with those high interest rates. Well, our own federal government models this terrible problem with trillions and trillions of dollars in spending debt, money that we don't have on stuff that we don't need to meet somebody's personal agenda. So our government models that, and debt can become an addiction. I'm afraid for our government it's become an addiction. In my opinion, it's a way of buying votes. You give people the goodies and they'll vote for you. Debt, debt can become an addiction for us as individuals as well. Instead of living for the future, many times as believers, we're paying for the past. We're paying for past bad decisions. The Bible says it's abnormal. Christians should not live in slavery. Christians should not live in bondage. But the Bible clearly says that the borrower can become servant to the lender. Now, Scripture does not absolutely prohibit debt, but it gives us a great warning about debt, and it's really a spiritual issue. We're talking about 40 days of growth. You say, preacher, what does that have to do with giving? Some people are not experiencing the blessings of God and the spiritual growth that God wants us to have because we're living in bondage, and people use the excuse of excessive debt is one of the main reasons that people will give you that they don't tithe, they don't support the Lord the way that he says. So when I don't honor the Lord and I don't handle money wisely, it hinders my spiritual growth. It is a block for the blessing of God in my life. You may get some spillover of God's blessing, but you're not getting the full blessing that God wants you to have. As Christians, we're kind of like a, a housekeeper. Nobody really likes housekeeping, but a housekeeper is somebody that works in a place that doesn't belong to them. They use stuff that doesn't belong to them, and they have access to all those resources to serve the one who hired them. And they can be rewarded for doing a good job, and they can be punished for not doing a good job. They can even lose their job as a housekeeper. The biblical word most often translated steward, it literally means one who is a housekeeper or a manager of other people's stuff. The reality is I don't own anything. You say, how much do you own? I don't own anything. That all belongs to the Lord. The Lord allows me to use that. So the housekeeper doesn't own those resources. They get to use them. I don't own a thing, but God allows me to use that. So the truth is we don't own it. 
it belongs to the Lord, and we need to be faithful stewards of what He's given us because my stewardship and my honoring of the Lord of what He's entrusted to me says a lot about my discipleship. And it can accelerate or it can hinder my spiritual growth. And the biblical concept of tithing, it begins all the way back in the book of Genesis. It begins in the book of Genesis. I would submit to you that tithing is mentioned 28 times in the Old Testament. People say, well, preacher, tithing is Old Testament law. It's not New Testament. Well, look here, it's also mentioned nine times in the New Testament. And it's not the Old Testament, the inspired Word of God. It's not the Old Testament and the New Testament together that gives us the perfect picture and revelation of who God is. And in fact, tithing was given long before the law was ever given. Tithing was given before then, and the Mosaic law, when it came along, it mandated what was previously considered voluntary. Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30 says, the tithe is the Lord's. The tithe is holy unto the Lord. Scripture goes on to say, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, says the Lord. So we're in the book of Malachi this morning. Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. And when the completion of Malachi was done, there was a 400-year period of silence. In other words, God speaking through no prophets until we get to the book of Matthew. So as God comes to the end of that period before the 400-year period of silence, God saw fit in Malachi chapter 3 to speak to me and to speak to you about this matter of my stewardship and honoring the Lord and growing spiritually through this biblical discipline of stewardship. Because my giving is a reflection of my heart to God, and He's worthy of all. We just sang, I surrender. Do we really mean that? Now, I know the danger. If you're here for the first time or you're watching online for the first time, well, church just always talks about money. Well, that's just not so. We don't always talk about money, but my charge is to preach to you the whole counsel of God. And as your pastor, part of my job, our job as your pastoral staff is to help you grow in your faith. And when the Bible has more to say about stewardship than it does heaven or hell, we do a disservice if we don't talk to you about what the Scripture says. Malachi chapter 3, I'll be reading this morning from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. If you're physically able, would you please rise and let's give honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 8, a startling statement right here. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You ask, how do we rob you? By not making the payments of the tenth, or your translation may say the tithe, and the contributions. You're suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. The curse didn't even get to them. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And then God says, test me. Your translation may say, prove me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I won't open the floodgates. We just sang about those floodgates. I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a, a blessing for you without measure. A blessing so great, the Bible says you won't even have room to contain all of it. Father, we're so thankful that you modeled through the life of your son Jesus biblical giving. We're so thankful, God, that you proved the greatest gift ever given when you gave the life of your only begotten Son so that a nobody like me could have my sins forgiven and be adopted into your family. So, Lord, I know anytime a preacher talks about stewardship, there can be a little bit of tension in the room. God, I'm so thankful that on this property since 1874, Airline Baptist Church has been dedicated to the glory of God. We declare that Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord of Airline Baptist Church. And God, we acknowledge that today, and we're thankful that in the presence of Jesus, all the demons of hell must flee and leave us alone, because greater is Jesus that's in us than the sorry, stinking, lying devil that's in the world. God, I pray today you'll set some folks free. I pray, God, today people will get on the pathway of spiritual freedom and financial freedom that they may grow and be all that you would have them to be. 
Father, for those many, many people in our church who are already faithful in their stewardship, I pray you'll just bless them and encourage them today as a result of their obedience, God, because we know when we give you the glory, you allow us to enjoy and experience some of the gravy. So may you be honored today is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Listen, stewardship's not just about money. It's about acknowledging everything that I have and saying, God, you're first. That's really the bottom line of stewardship is God is first. God is first. God is supreme in my life. So look at your outline on the back of your worship God. Number one, write this down. God promises a curse to those who rob him. Well, that's not a very seeker-friendly place for a preacher to start, is it? But I'm just starting in the beginning of that scripture. That's what it says. God clearly states that when I don't honor him with the tithe, and he specifically, the, the specific translation, HCSB has it right when it says the tenth, the first tenth of my income. God says I'm robbing him when I don't do that. So a Christian living under the lordship of Jesus Christ, I've got to recognize this is the authority right here. God's word is my authority. It's not a preacher's opinion. It's not a man's opinion. I have no choice but to live under the authority of the word of God. When I step out from under the authority of God, I'm inviting judgment or yet even a curse, this says. And so the Bible has more to say. I already told you about stewardship than heaven or hell. So he speaks very clearly to our financial situation. God wants us to be obedient even in this manner right here because not to do so is robbery. Well, I can't rob something that, if it already belongs to me, I'm not robbing, am I? So that's why I said, I don't have anything. God says, you rob me when you don't tithe. If it's mine, I'm not robbing it to keep it. But it all belongs to God. So when I don't tithe, he says, I'm robbing him. I remember I heard the story before I ever went to Second Baptist and one of Robin's pastor Rasta Salter preached on this. And he started his sermon. He got up and he said, I have a terrible announcement to make. The church has been robbed. And they said a guy by the name of Danny Reed jumped up, took off with his gun, went looking to see who robbed the church. He didn't stick around to listen to the rest of the story. He just immediately reacted to his preacher saying, the church has been robbed. Well, God says we rob him when we don't honor him with the tithe. And you can't rob something that doesn't belong to you. I already said that. So Christians who don't tithe, when we dishonor the Lord, and we, he says we're robbing from him, when I say, God bless me, God give me, God bless me, God give me. It's like somebody who's robbing a lady of everything she's got and saying, while I'm robbing you, by the way, can I have $10? Can I borrow $10 from you too? It's just as ridiculous to say that. God, I want you to bless me when I'm disobeying you in a significant part of the teaching of your word. I don't know about you, but I need all of God's blessings in my life. Do y'all, do you want the blessing of God in your life? This preacher right here does need that desperately. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, stewardship, and money, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? I can't grow in my walk with the Lord when I'm disobeying a significant portion of Scripture. And I heard a preacher say one time, the most sensitive nerve in a man's body is the nerve that runs from his ear to his wallet. That's a sensitive nerve right there. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, he says it again, will a man rob God, yet you're robbing me. This isn't Mike making this up. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You ask, how do we rob you? By not making payments of the tenth and the contributions. And God says we're suffering under a curse. Number two, write this down. God wants us to give proportionately. God wants us to give proportionately. It's the beauty of the tithe. Not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. God wants us to give proportionately. And by the way, people always ask me this question, preacher, should I give off the gross or the net? 
How much of my income should I give off of? Well, my answer is how much you want God to bless. You want God to bless all of it or part of it? And when the Bible says, God says, honor me with the first fruits, that means for the government comes in and takes their greedy part. And by the way, I don't think the government or anybody else should demand a greater percentage than God does. Do you? Amen. You cannot outgive God. And, and, and I, it's a joy to give to the Lord. It ain't really a joy for me when April 15th rolls around and I got to write another check in addition to the ones they've already taken out of my check. Proverbs 3, 9 to me makes it clear that it's pre-tax. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So under the Old Testament law, yes, the tithe was given first. Then under the Mosaic law, it was instituted as law and Jews were demanded to give the first 10%. But if they did not give the first 10%, there was a 20% penalty of interest. Do you think God is serious about giving? And it's not that God needs my money. Does God need my money? God don't need anything. He's God. But I need to give my money to God so that I can obey him and recognize he's first in all things. And the tithe is just the beginning part. It's just that first 10%. How can a Christian living on this side of the cross after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, how can a Christian living on this side of the cross in the tomb be stingy, more stingy than somebody who was living under the Old Testament law? I mean, if you say, well, tithing is law, well, grace ought to demand much more in my life. Amen to that? How can a born-again Christian stand at the cross of Calvary and hear the blood of Jesus dripping from the cross when we've just seen, I surrender, but I say, you don't talk to me about my giving and my money. That's a personal matter between me and God. And by the way, I want to say this. I don't know what anybody gives. I don't think any preacher should. It's just my opinion. It's not scripture. I don't want to know what you give. That's between you and the Lord. Now, when it comes to staff and deacons and it's time for deacon election, I always ask the financial secretary, don't tell me what, but are they tithing? Because if you're going to be a leader in the church and you disobey a significant portion of the scripture, I think it disqualifies you from leadership. But I don't know who gives what. Somebody just made a, recently a large lump sum gift to our church, I was told, about $20,000. I have not a clue who that was. Thank you and God bless you, whoever you are. I don't think a preacher should know. You know why? Because I don't want to be a respecter of persons. I don't want to treat you any different than I do anybody else. We're all the same. And it's the beauty of proportional tithing. It's 10%, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. Sacrifice. It's the reasonable way. I don't mean to keep going back to the government, but I think it's why I'd advocate a flat tax. We all pay the same thing, no matter how much money you have, whether you're rich or you're poor, it's 10%. And he talks about the tithes and the contributions in Malachi. There's a difference between my tithe and my offering. The tithe is the first 10%. My offerings are anything above and beyond that. When we support Fellowship of Christian Athletes, when you support pro-life ministries, when you support your favorite gospel singing group, I remember when we recently got the what was the, the PP, not the PPP money, but the stimulus checks from the government. My wife and I were blessed. We kept right on working. We got our check. So the Lord led us to give part of that money that we weren't counting on anyway to some of our friends who work and sing in gospel music. They didn't qualify for any money. So we didn't necessarily need it. So we gave. And you know what God showed us? You can't outgive God. God gave back to us more than the seed we sowed into those ministries. There is a difference between my tithe and my offering. And the New Testament storehouse, that's number three, write that down. God wants us to give first to the church. That's his local storehouse. The local storehouse, bring the full tenth into the storehouse. In the Old Testament, the storehouse was a specific place. In fact, there was a place designated in the temple to come and to bring your tithes and offerings. 
pre-COVID, as a matter of convenience, we passed the plates. We passed the offering plates. And, you know, every church can tell you, you tend to lose at least a little bit. Now, those who love the Lord and they're sold out to the Lord, they're going to tithe. They're going to tithe no matter what. And, man, you guys were so faithful through all of the quarantine and all that. Our giving didn't take, really take much of a hit at all during that time. God's people were faithful. God blessed. I think some people dug a little bit deeper, not knowing what was going to happen. But now we don't pass the plates. Statistically, when you pass the plates, you get a little bit extra. People that don't tithe, they'll at least tip when the plates pass. We've got a box out front now, just like they did in the temple. There's a box. You can drop your tithe in back there, or you can give online. In fact, pull out your phone right now, if you will. I don't often ask you to pull out your phone in church. If you go to airlinebaptist.org slash give. Now, I've, I've said before, I'm one of the old-fashioned people. My tithe was one of the only checks I wrote every month. Everything else is online. But during COVID and quarantine, Julie and I switched to online giving. And so every Sunday morning, I get an email or a text, I forget which, that says, my gift has been given. For me, that's my time of worship. I say, thank you, God, that you provided income for my wife and I, and thank you that you've blessed us, and you've taught me the gift of tithing so that I can give back to you. That's my time of worship, because our giving should be a time of worship. And so some of you already do that. If you'll pull up that tab and you'll look, there are different places that you can give. There's the general budget, which is the tithe. That pays the light bill. It pays the salary. It pays the landscape. It helps pay our building payment. It's already in our budget. Not only is our building payment in our budget, but we budget even a little bit more because we're trying to get out of that debt right there. You can give online to the building program, to the building debt. You can click that link right there and give online. When this started, I asked Pastor Mike last night and a couple of our deacons, I think the debt this church had was like $3.2 million for this beautiful sanctuary that God has given us. And I'm so thankful for those who are with the Lord now. And many of you who were here who sacrificially gave, so newcomers like me, I've only been here a little over two years, so we can enjoy this. So now it's up to the rest of us. That 3.2 is at about $320,000. Y'all, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Could it be, can I just, just have a challenge? Can we, by the end of this year, get that under $200,000? I'd love to pay the whole thing off. God can surprise us and pay the whole thing off. But let's just make that a challenge and a goal. And let's celebrate that goal. By the end of this year, we want to see that three twenty dollars below two hundred. dollars Now, I've already told you some of that's already budgeted. It's in our church budget. But I pray for the day when it won't be in our church budget because it's paid off. You will notice another tab on there that says, uh, my phone went away there. It says, Sound system upgrade. Sound system upgrade. Again, when this building was built, state-of-the-art sound equipment that we have, but several of you have noticed and you've said things to me about our sound lately. You see all these monitors on the stage and all this, stu all this stuff up here? When that sound comes out, it goes into the microphone and right back out into the house. At the time, it was sufficient and it was good. We're about 20 years behind the times, and we need to upgrade our sound equipment desperately. We don't have the money in our budget. Part of the reason we don't is because we're still paying off this building debt. But we need to raise, for the rest of this year, Pastor Mike Welburn has worked very hard to get estimates. We keep getting the estimates, and we don't do it. And he puts it off, and he has to call him back to get another estimate. We need, between now and December, about $15,000 to upgrade that. And that's, that is leasing. It's like this phone. You know, your phone lasts for a little while, then you got to upgrade. Most churches are going to leasing these days because in a few years, that equipment's obsolete. When we lease it, we're not stuck. If we had to buy all of that, we'd have to raise about a hundred and something thousand dollars right now to upgrade. Some of you watching online, you've told me how poor our quality of sound is online. I'm telling you, if we can raise that money, in fact, I'm not going to ask you to do something I hadn't done yet. And I've been on vacation, so I hadn't done it yet. I'm just going to come in here right now and put a one-time gift 
to the sound equipment upgrade. Man, if all of us will do this, there's no reason that we cannot pay for this and get that sound equipment in here. And I'm telling you, it will be, it will be a, um, an instant. I can't talk and do two things at the same time. Can y'all tell that? I'll, I'll finish it later right there. We can raise $15,000 in no time. In fact, man, Pastor Andrew wanted me to thank you. He gave out the challenge to raise additional money for our youth camp. That goal was about $3,000, $3,500. This church, above and beyond the tithe, we gave together over $4,500 to send these students to youth camp in addition to specific scholarships. Let's praise the Lord for that. Amen. God did incredible stuff in their midst. Pastor Andrew said, lots of repentance, lots of brokenness restored because of that investment. If we can raise $4,500 in a few weeks to send our students to camp, surely we can raise fifteen dollars and let's upgrade this antiquated sound equipment right here. But I said that God wants us to give first to the local church. That's the tithe. My gift to the building fund, my gift to pro-life ministries, my gift to the sound improvements, that is above and beyond my tithe. Acts chapter 4, verses 33 through 33. That describes the first century church. They always brought their tithes to the local assembly. Throughout Scripture, there's no other designated place to bring that tithe than to the local New Testament church. I'm thankful for ministries online. I'm thankful for Adrian Rogers. Watch, even though he's with the Lord, he still speaks. If you want to send a gift to Love Worth Proving, the ministries of Adrian Rogers or, or Dr. Stanley and In Touch, those are wonderful ministries, but my tithe doesn't go there. My tithe goes to the local New Testament church where my membership is, where my family is fed, where my family is encouraged to walk with the Lord. So it's fine and dandy to give offerings to other things. That is above and beyond my tithe. I'm so thankful for the dear believers of this church who are faithful with your tithes and offerings. I already said we didn't miss a beat during the whole COVID quarantine thing. Tonight, there'll be a banquet. And I've done this at other churches. I'm telling you, it's one of my favorite memories as a pastor. We'll have a banquet tonight to honor our widows, widowers, and our, our, our senior single adults who don't have anybody else. We just want to say as a church family, we love you. We recognize the sacrifice you have made to this church over the years so that we can enjoy it. Your tithes and your offerings help pay for that. Man, what an incredible story Pastor Shea shared with us. I saw Clint put online about 100 people giving their life to the Lord at FCA camp, and I'm rejoicing in Panama City. I didn't know to this morning a coach who was brand new in town. Church, you are a part of that because FCA is a significant part of our budget because we believe in the ministry of Fellowship of Christian Athletes and the lives that are being transformed there. So when you give, now don't, we're not just paying the light bill and the salary. We're supporting ministries across the street and literally missionaries around the world like one of my own former students who's serving the Lord in Eastern Europe today and others that you know of as well. So our building debt's at less than 320000 Do y'all believe we can get it down below two hundred by the end of this year? Is that a big goal? How big is our God? Pastor Matt agrees with me. I'm thankful that one of us, that means we each got to come up with 50000 Unless God's going to have to do something there if it's just me and you, brother. Those of us who are here to worship now in, in, in recognition of what God has done through the saints of old, I want to do my part. Let's get out of this debt and be freed up to do more in missions and ministry. Amen? Number four, God promises his blessings to obedient stewards. We started off with the bad news. The bad news is God says that you live under a curse when you rob me of the tithes. The good news is God promises his blessings to obedient stewards. Now, some of you may be skeptical. How can I give away 10% of my income and have more? That doesn't make financial sense. It may not make financial sense, but I'm telling you it makes spiritual sense, and you will see that it does make financial sense. God says, if you don't believe me, test me. 
Prove me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I'll not open the floodgates of heaven. When we sang about God opening the floodgates earlier, he says, this is how you see me open the floodgates, when we're obedient with our tithes and offerings. And God says, I'll pour out a blessing for you without measure. I remember when I was still a relatively young Christian, I got saved at the age of 15. I turned 16 years old, and my stepmother drove me to the next county over because my county State Patrol office was closed to get my driver's license and get a job working at Piggly Wiggly Southern, Piggly Wiggly number 38 on 16th Avenue in Cordell, Georgia. Some of you in this church work for Piggly Wiggly. I think some of you told me y'all worked for Piggly Wiggly in the past. Great place for a teenage boy, $2.90 an hour was a minimum wage, but I got $3.10 an hour. I was taught as an early believer, you tied that little Piggly Wiggly check. Now it wasn't much. It was part-time. I'm in school. I'm preparing to get into the Red Coat Band at Georgia. I had all this extra stuff. So I didn't work a whole, whole lot, and I had a car payment. But I was taught the blessings of tithing at an early age. And I'm ashamed to tell you that even, even when I kind of started to backslide, I, that's kind of a nice way of saying sin, when I start to forget that I'm a child of God, I didn't forget I was a child of God, but the things of this world started pulling me away so that on the weekends I was doing stuff I ought not to do. But you know what? On Sunday morning, I was at Morningside Baptist Church, Cordell, Georgia, and I put in my Piggly Wiggly tithe check, even though I hadn't been living like I ought to the rest of the time. God doesn't need my money, but he taught me early on I cannot afford not to give. When Julie and I first got married, I can't believe her daddy let her marry me. I have nothing. Well, you know what I had? I had student loan debt. There was no Hope Scholarship. I went to school hopeless and trusted the Lord to provide for that. So I had student loan debt when we got married. We lived in a, we always call it a hut, a little hut in Athens. It had the, the walls that kind of sloped like this and had shingles down the sides. You know what I'm talking about? It like a hut. We were so proud to have that hut. We were married. We were together. We didn't have a lot. I knew about tithing, and I worked for uh, CNS National Bank and First National Bank of Atlanta during that time. And we made a commitment. We're not going to seminary. God called me to ministry my senior year at Georgia. We're not going to seminary till we get out of debt, thinking this is going to be years and years down the line. We're going to tithe. We're going to honor the Lord. We're going to get out of debt. Well, a couple of times as newlyweds, the money was really, really tight. Any of you remember that or know what I'm talking about? Some of you newlyweds may know now. And we say, now, Lord, you know our heart. We really can't afford to give that tithe this week, but God, you know I'm going to make that up next week. We'll make that tithe up. Well, if you've ever done the silly thing that I did, you know the money never lasts. We only did that a couple of times. I'm dumb, but I ain't that dumb. God taught me early on. It's not that I couldn't afford to tithe. I can't afford not to tithe. But we say, God, we don't know how we're going to pay the bills. But you're a big God, and we're going to honor you. I don't want to live under a curse. I want you to pour out blessings on me and my, no, my little newlywed bride more than we can ever imagine. And y'all, it's like you hear people talk about on TV. Checks would just show up in the mail. Am I lying about this, baby? Or a piece of money. Julie's grandmother was a precious, godly lady. She would send us a card and say, I'm enclosing a piece of money. That's what she called it, just out of the blue. She didn't know. She, well, I guess she knew automatically we're struggling because we're a newlywed couple with student loan debt. I told you I didn't want to go to seminary until we're debt free. Can I tell you this, just telling you how good God is? We celebrated our first wedding anniversary in seminary at Lynchburg, Virginia. I don't think y'all heard me. We thought it was going to take years, but I said we celebrated our first wedding anniversary in Lynchburg, Virginia, because we said, God, we're going to honor you and trust you, really thinking it's going to be years before we get to go. But that's how good God is. When you honor the Lord, God will honor you. So whenever you put God first, he says, I'll take care of everything else that you need. When we were engaged, we're about to get married. Again, I said, I can't believe her daddy let me marry her. I don't have much of anything. We're getting ready to get married. 
I'm just working my first job out of college, which, as you know, doesn't make a lot of money, and I hated it, to be honest with you, because I knew it, it was not what God had called me to do as ministry, but I was just having to pay the bills. And any of you remember evangelist Bill Stafford? Have you ever heard Bill Stafford preach? He's one of my favorite all-time evangelists. You know what I'm talking about? You've had him preach for you, haven't you, Brother Doyle? When Bill Stafford came to preach revival, you better leave your checkbook at home because he just had a way with the Word of God to speak to our hearts. We had nothing, nada. And our church was going through a building program, Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Athens, to build a family life center to reach young families with the gospel. We had squat. We didn't have anything. You know what I had? And forgive me if I've shared this story with you already. I had a trombone that I played in high school. And I was in the Red Coat Band for about two weeks. I decided music, uh, you know, Madison's excited to be a music teacher. I just want to have fun. thought, this ain't for me. I made my goal. God, let me meet. I said, God, all I've got is that trombone. Me and my wife went to the altar, and we committed. God will sell that trombone, whatever we get. And I needed it to pay for a little honeymoon. But God said, you give that to me, and I'll take care of all your needs. We gave the trombone, committed at the altar to pray, to sell that thing, give it to the Lord. Should have brought about 300 bucks back then. That afternoon, we're out looking for apartments, and we get married. We have a place to live. I hadn't found that hut yet. And my little white Toyota Corolla bit the dust, just died. And so, I wish I could tell you I was more spiritual than I am, but I got mad. I said, Lord, I can't afford to get a dead gum car. I just committed the only little safety net I had is this trombone, and I've committed to give that to you. And my stupid car has died, and I'm about to marry this girl. We don't have a place to live. So we get back later, and we called her parents, and her parents said, hey, we, we didn't want to tell you all this. We want it to be a surprise for your wedding. But God put her in her heart to give you all a car as a wedding gift. I'm telling you, you cannot outgive God. When you say, God, this is all I've got, like the widow who gave her might. I think you'll read about her in one of the devotions that Pastor Mike wrote this week. You cannot outgive the Lord. Pastor Jim produces there's a disease among Christians you might call cirrhosis of the giver. Cirrhosis of the giver. When it comes to giving in church, that wallet just, it just shrinks up. But when you're out at Starbucks or Outback Steakhouse, or the Mall of Georgia. It's just a miracle how that wallet just expands and it gets all big and you got plenty of money when you're at those places. I don't want to be guilty of cirrhosis of the giver. The average Christian gives 2.5% to the work of the Lord. God says 10% is the minimum. 85% of professing believers don't tithe at all. 40% of professing believers give nothing. And we wonder why God's not blessing us. When we fail to honor the Lord, it dishonors the Lord. And when I dishonor the Lord, he's not obligated to hear and answer my prayers. But when you follow God's established plan for giving, starting with the tithe to the local storehouse, you will be absolutely amazed at what God can do. Because it's all his. I can't rob him. If it's mine, I'm not robbing him. But it's his. And when I don't, I'm robbing him. And you say, preacher, we're, we're, we're in debt. I'm telling you, debt is a plague in America. Can I just give you some practical advice? Focus on that smallest debt that you have. Look at all your debts. Take that smallest one and put all of your efforts into paying that one off. You get that one paid off, and then when you look at the next smallest debt, you take what you were paying on the other one and that one, and you pay that one down. There is a path. It's not too late. God's not going to punish me forever for living in disobedience, but there's got to be a plan going forward. And how big is our God? Can God be trusted when I honor him with the 10% to take care of everything else? Now, I might have to sell some of my desires. I might have to give up some of my desires. I might just have to focus on my needs. And the reality is we learned last week that through the discipline of fasting, everything I think I need, I don't necessarily need. So maybe you were planning to go out to eat today. It's somewhere very nice, and it may cost a family, you know, I don't know, it cost family $50, unless you're the Smiths, it can cost you an arm and a leg to feed all your kids. Y'all go to the Mexican restaurant. Wherever, wherever we plan to go, in the next month, can we say, God, a time or two, 
We'll just go home. If it means a bologna sandwich, peanut butter, and jelly, I've lived off those before. God, I'm going to give that little bit that we're going to eat out to help buy this new sound system to improve the quality of worship. Because let's just be honest, it's distracting sometimes. If I can't hear the lyrics of the music and I have to look at the screen to know what they're saying, that's distracting to me. Is that distracting to you? You know, and if I can't, because what, what pleases the Lord to me, now yes, the instruments, he says, plays, praise him with all the instruments and a loud clanging cymbal. But for me, I need, I need to focus on the words of what's being said. So I think it's a distraction and we can improve that distraction. We'll never experience financial freedom apart from following God's order for our finances. Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I'll not open the floodgates of heaven. Proud a blessing for you without measure. In light of what Jesus has done for me, when I sing, I surrender, am I telling the truth? When I sing, I surrender, am I really meaning, God, that's my finance, this is my life. I'm willing to fast if necessary. It means I'm willing to tithe. It means I'm willing to give above and beyond the tithe. Look at your conclusion there. Number one, have you experienced the blessings of obedient stewardship? And I've already told you, and I hope you don't think I was bragging on myself. I told you how dumb I was. I mean, I told you, I told you my sin when I committed to give something to the Lord. Then I got mad at him when the car broke down. I'm, that's not bragging on myself. That's telling you, the Bible, Isaiah says, all flesh is as grass. We all struggle with things. But how big is our God? Have you experienced the blessings of obedient stewardship? Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says it this way, Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Number two, write this down. Could your struggles be tied to a lack of faithful stewardship? If you're struggling in life, maybe you're struggling on the job, you're struggling with your family, you're just struggling could it be tied to a lack of faithful stewardship when God says you're living under a curse when we don't honor him with the tithe? Could our struggles be tied to that? Number three, if Jesus is not really Lord of all, is he truly Lord at all? When we say Lord, it means boss. When I say you are Lord, that means every area of my life, my family, my job, and my income, you are Lord of all. If he's not Lord of everything, is he truly Lord of all? The Bible talks about in Luke chapter 12 and verse 34, we have to call it the T principle. The T principle says this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I hear Christians misquote that verse all the time. They get it backwards. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. That's not what it says. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One reason I love the University of Georgia so much because I spend a whole lot of my money there. I still spend my money on Georgia stuff. And when I can go to a ball game, my treasure is there. So my heart is there. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want my treasure to be primarily with the Lord. And when my treasure is there, my heart's going to follow because God's going to prove himself faithful to me over and over and over again. So the question this morning is, does Jesus have your heart or not? Does he have your heart? Does he have 80% of your heart? Does he have 10% of your heart? Or do you say, I surrender, Lord. Open the floodgates. I'm going to trust you to do what only you can do. Would you pray with me, church? Father, we are so thankful that your word speaks to every area of our life. You've told us that you've given us all that we need to know in your word pertaining to life and to godliness. And so, Father, I ask your forgiveness for the times that I didn't trust you like I ought to. God, I ask you to forgive me for times when you've given me a clear word and I choose to disobey you. I'm so thankful for that amazing grace that we sang about earlier. God, it's only by your grace that I'm here that you didn't zap me and take me on to heaven. 
Lord, because of that amazing grace so richly poured out upon my life, I can't help but give back to you. And God, I'm so, so thankful that you, you give us 90% to steward and choose to do what to do with and how we give offerings to ministries, how we pay our bills. God, we are so blessed and so thankful. I'm thankful that you, you make it fair and proportionate for everybody from the poorest person to the richest person. Your economy is the best. And Lord, there are those that may be angry this morning. There are those that may be offended this morning. I'm so thankful, Father, that your word and your spirit don't wound us just to hurt us, but you wound us to heal us. God, I pray that from this day forward, from this day forward, July the 18th, 2021, that somebody in this building and, and watching on the internet is going to be set free because they choose to honor you with their tithes and their offerings. But most of all, Lord Jesus, I know that if somebody's not giving their heart to you, they could care less about stewardship. I'm so thankful for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of my Savior that made it possible that a nobody like me could turn from my own sins, seek your forgiveness when I realized that you died in my place, you rose again in my place. God, I'm thankful that you changed my want to, you changed my desires, you changed my appetite. I pray for somebody today, that's never happened to them. They're unsure of their relationship with you. Lord, I'm still rejoicing what I got to watch on vacation last week by internet, the four souls that were baptized in this church last week. God, I believe there's others that need to do the same thing. They don't know if they died today, they'd go to heaven. And your word clearly declares that these things have you written that you, we can know that we have eternal life. I pray somebody today would repent of their sins and trust you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. I pray somebody else, Lord, may come and just lay down their finances at the altar and ask your forgiveness for not honoring you. Lord, show them how to get out of debt. Show them how to be set free so they can be hilarious givers. God, I'm thankful giving is not something we have to do, but we get to do it. It's a joy to give back to the one who gave his only son for me. Lord, for those who are looking for a church to lock arms and join with and serve together with, they've been seeking and praying about that. Pray today somebody would come and say, I want to unite with Airline Baptist Church in membership. Maybe there are those in the building who have been saved before, but they've never taken that next step of obedience and followed you in baptism as these four did last week. God, I pray for the person that may be struggling with that today, that today they'd be set free as they take that step of obedience. So Lord, as we prepare to sing, I surrender all, Lord, I don't want to sing a lie. I don't want to tell a lie to anybody. I dadgum don't want to tell a lie to you. So Lord, help us to examine our hearts and sing this back to you from a pure heart. And if we can't, help us to turn to you and make that right. We're so thankful that your word says, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, for those that are burdened for a family member, a coworker that needs to be saved, pray we just come to this altar and commit that to you. May you be honored now as we surrender all. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. If everything's okay between you and the Lord, let's stand together. If you can sing this with a clear conscience, sing this. If you can't sing this with a clear conscience, don't, but say, God, what do I need to do to fix that in my heart so that I can sing this from a pure heart? On to Jesus, I Trust in me.
worship. Y'all can be seated. I'm back. I'm a little bit calmer this time. I was a little bit fired up when I came and talked to y'all earlier. But uh, we are just, again, delighted that you are here worshiping with us, whether it's your first time here or your first time uh, here in a long time or whether you're just here week to week. We're excited that you're here. My name is Pastor Chase. I am the outreach pastor here at Airline Baptist Church. And if it is your first time here, we'd love for you to meet Pastor Mike and his wife, Julie, back in the back corner. Uh, back, back there, we have a small gift just to give you uh, just to thank you for coming and worshiping with us today. Just a few quick announcements, and we'll be be on our way. Of course, don't forgive us right behind me. Going in with giving, we have multiple ways by which you can give. Of course, you can always give here, uh, either uh, in, in our box, as we said, or, or you can you can mail it in. You can give online as the pastor walked us through, or you can even text to give. All that information um, is there, and that text to give actually is going to be changing very soon. The number. 
Um, so just stay tuned for that. We'll, we'll update that, um, something about some kind of law. I don't know. But that, that text to give number will be changing in the, in the coming weeks, um, and we'll keep you updated on that. Um, of course, do not forget, uh, ladies, coming up for you is our spa night. That's happening one week from today, our ladies' spa night. We saw a video last week about it. It looks awesome. I'm a little jealous. Um, my wife is excited. Um, about that, and I, I hope you are too. In fact, there's going to be a message, uh, text message coming out sometime this afternoon. Uh, it'll be sent to everybody churchwide. So if you're a man, ignore it. Don't sign up. Um, I mean, uh, don't don't do it. Uh, you're not you're not you're not welcome. You're always welcome. But that's specifically for uh, our ladies there. So show your wife on that. So that that text to sign up is going to be going uh, out shortly following service as well. They've got some paper. Uh, if you don't want to sign up uh, online or text, they've got some, some paper sign-ups you, you can do out there. But that's happening one week from today at Miss Sheila Adams' house, and all that information is going to be on that, that text link. Um, again, so glad you're here. I know Pastor Matt sent out some information uh, for you guys about worship ministry. That was on your email, so make sure to check that. Anything you want to add on that, Matt? Hello, hello, how are you doing? Hello, okay. Uh, I did send something out. Um, we were planning on having a worship ministry and a creative arts ministry meeting directly after church. But after I sent that out, I got a bunch of emails saying people weren't going to be here. Pastor Mike's gotten a bunch of emails saying people aren't here, aren't going to be here. You can look around you and see a lot of people are out. So we're going to postpone the meeting until next Sunday. Um, if you're here today and you won't be here next Sunday, go ahead and meet up with me. Uh, we'll go ahead and go ahead and uh, get the information I need from you. But we're going to move that till next Sunday so we can try to see everyone and speak to everyone at the same time. That doesn't mean choir people. That doesn't mean we're pushing choir back at all, okay? So don't look at me the way you're looking at me right now. It's coming. All right? So we'll do that next Sunday. Absolutely. Perfect. I think that's all I've got. Uh, coming up in two weeks, we got praying going, but that, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, next week. So a lot of stuff. Oh, students are meeting. Uh, student ministry, Pastor Andrew, let me tell you, students are meeting this Wednesday night. Tell your friends. It's going to be an awesome time. So, again, glad you're here. Don't forget about the, the different ways we're going to give that challenge that Pastor Mike issued about paying off our debt uh, and working to chip down at that to where we're, we're, we're down under uh, uh, coming in uh, to this next budget year. So don't forget about that awesome challenge there. I mean, that's one thing about our church I think a lot of people say is that when we're issued a challenge, man, we rise up. So, of course, that challenge has been issued. So uh, there we go on that. So um, I'm just going to pray and dismiss everybody, and I look forward to seeing you guys back next week. Dear God, we come to you today, God, just again in awe of you because you are a big, big God who does big, big things in and through our lives. God, though we are undeserving of that, God, you still chose us. God, we are a, a your creation, God, who strayed from the Creator Yet you're not mad at us. You're not angry at us. You're not, you're not sitting up in heaven looking, looking down, angry at us, God. But you are sitting there inviting us back to you. God, and we, we owe it all back to you. God, we'll, we'll, let us never forget, God, that you have called us to have an, inf an impact, God, because you've given us influence. God, so we are thankful for that. God, be with each and every person in this building today. Let them go out this week and have that impact. It's in your gracious holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll see y'all back next week.